Uh, my name is Henry Thompson. Uh, I'm an associate pastor here at Christ Community, and I've been here for about four months, and I am so thankful to have the opportunity to preach the word this morning, and I'm so glad that it is Jazz Sunday. Um, yes. <laughs> Y'all already saying amen. Let that <laughs> Uh, pray that continues. Uh, uh, let us pray before we begin. Uh, Father, I uh, just thank you for this opportunity um, to preach your word this morning, Father. I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would uh, speak through me, Lord, that you would hide me at the foot of your cross, Lord, and that you would be glorified and exalted. And I pray that you would encourage your people through this word this morning, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I entered college at Indiana University in 2007, I had a faith crisis. I mean, I was raised in the church, but when I entered college, my faith truly had to become my own. There was no one to make me go to church in the morning. I had complete freedom to do what I wanted to do for the first time. At Indiana University, I faced all the temptations that college students face at large public universities. I also started to doubt the truth claims of Christianity because I was in an environment where many people viewed the Christian faith as foolish. The fact that I left Indiana as a Christian serious about his faith was a miracle. When I visited Indiana University a few years ago, I shed some tears walking across the campus because I realized the depths of God's grace for me when I was in college. Because I was a mess, or as some would say, a hot mess. And as I look back, I realized that one of the reasons my faith was sustained in college was because I was surrounded by the right people. A college student, Derek Puckett, started a ministry called the Impact Movement that focused on reaching out to students of African descent. During my first week at Indiana University, I went to something called the Faith Fest, and I heard about this ministry, the Impact Movement. And I started going to a Bible study, and I started being discipled uh, by a man by the name Derek. And my clo closest and deepest friends to this day are the people I met through the impact movement. God used brothers and sisters like Derek, Kaylee, Nevin, Penny, Cheldon, Vita, Drew, Jocelyn, Mercedes, Chris, Jarrah, Sierra, Walter, Rose, and Stevie G to help me grow in my faith. And I know you don't know who any of those people are, but God providentially used those people in my life during my time at Indiana University to preserve me and my faith. Without them, I am almost certain that I would not be here today preaching the word of God. God kept me from so many things that I could have fallen into because I was surrounded with the right people. As, instead of losing faith, God used the community of brothers and sisters to help me grow in my faith. Who are some wise people in your life God is using to help you grow in your faith. Do you wish you had more people in your life to help you grow now? It is so easy to think we are self-made people, 
But if we pull back the curtain, we realize that God uses other people to help us grow. And in Proverbs this morning, we are going to focus on surrounding ourselves with the right people in order to grow in wisdom. Now, if you've been tracking with us for the past few weeks, we started our series in Proverbs 1, highlighting the reality that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Last week in Proverbs 3, we focused on the importance of trusting in the Lord and not relying upon ourselves. This week, we are transitioning to a different section of Proverbs. Chapters 1 through 9 of Proverbs are composed of speeches offered by a father to a son. But the section today, Proverbs 10 through 29, is a section of Proverbs that is composed of pithy one-liner statements. These statements are about different subjects like poverty, wealth, friendship, work ethic, folly, and speech. All the Proverbs on a particular topic are not in the same place. So I will be preaching from different Proverbs scattered throughout chapters 11 through 25, but these Proverbs all focus on relationship because we are doing a two-part series on relationships starting today. And this morning, we are going to learn that if we are going to grow in wisdom, we need to surround ourselves with the right people. If we are going to grow in wisdom, we need to surround ourselves with the right people. And in order to surround ourselves with the right people, there are three things we need to do. Because you know all good sermons have three points, right? (laughs) First, we must acknowledge that we need a community of counselors. We must acknowledge the reality that God created us for community. We cannot do life on our own. Proverbs 15, 22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. This verse highlights the reality that we need a community of counselors. The word translated fail in the ESV means to fall apart or break up. When we try to live our life and make decisions without counsel, there is a good chance that things will fall apart in our lives. But if we intentionally seek out many many counselors, our plans have a good chance of success. When we seek out others for counsel, we typically learn something we did not know. We gain multiple perspectives beyond our own perspective, and this will generally increase the potential for a plan being fulfilled. We all have different specific plans. Some of you are charting out how to raise godly children. Some of you are charting out how to start a company. And we should all be charting out how to reach our friends and family with the gospel and disciple other people that are believers in our lives. But whatever your plans are, know that you need a wise community of counselors to walk alongside you. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. This verse highlights the reality that counsel is needed on an institutional level. It states that without a community of counselors, a nation falls. But with many counselors, a nation is safe. The word translated safety means rescue, save, or deliver. 
Those with an abundance of counselors are delivered, are saved from things that could lead to their downfall. Think about it like this. Our government on the highest level could not function apart from counselors and advisors. Whoever serves as the president has a community of counselors and advisors, and our government also has three branches, the federal, legislative, and executive branch that advise one another. Through these counselors and advisors, our government leaders are able to avoid decisions which could potentially harm our country. Just like a government needs advisors, we need a community of advisors to live according to God's design. Now the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, who recently passed away, covered a song called People. This song was originally sung by Barbara Streisand in a musical called Funny Girl. I know many of you are surprised that I know who Barbara Streisand is, but... <laughs> the lyrics of this song illustrate the reality that we were made for community. I wish I could sing it to you this morning, but I'll spare you from hearing my bad singing voice. But listen to the first verse of this song. People, people who need people, are the luckiest people in the world. We're children needing other children, and yet letting a grown-up pride hide all the need inside, acting more like children than children. When we are young, we readily, readily acknowledge our need for people. And I don't know how you grew up, but in my house, my parents let me know what they did for me. They didn't let me live under the illusion. Like, I put them clothes on your back. I put the food on the table. This is my house. But as we grow older, we can pridefully live like we are autonomous human beings. But if we take an honest look over our lives, we see that we got where we are today because people in our lives, parents, teachers, friends, pastors, spouses, and counselors, oftentimes traumatic experiences with other people can lead us to push others away, but we all need people and we should not allow our own grown-up pride to keep us from acknowledging that God has designed us for community. And we know this. If we want to know how to spend our resources, we go to a financial planner. When we are buying a house, we get a real estate agent. When we have a health issue, we go to a health professional for medical counsel. If a person wants to make plans to invest stock, many times they go to a stockbroker. We lack the wisdom to do life on our own without the counsel of others. We are interdependent creatures. In 2018, the Gospel Coalition released an article, How the Church Can Respond to the Loneliness Epidemic. The author and pastor, Jeremy Lineman, writes, Western community is in sharp decline, and radical individualism has become the functional status for even the most devoted churchgoer. This radical individualism has engendered unprecedented social isolation and yielded a depth of loneliness unique to 21st century American culture. It could be easily argued that loneliness is the epidemic of contemporary Western culture and most of our other epidemics, from heart disease to pornography use, can trace their roots back to a lonely heart. This quote highlights the reality that we were created for community, 
But at times, we can have a radical individualism that keeps us from experiencing this. In Genesis 2.18, God says, it is not good for man to be alone. God created us to exist in community. Surrounding ourselves with the right people begins with acknowledging that we need people. If we are going to follow Jesus in all areas of our lives, we need a community of counselors. We need a community of Christian sisters and brothers to offer us counsel. It doesn't matter if you're married, single, young, middle-aged, or later in age. It doesn't matter your ethnic background, income, or gender. We all need counselors. We need counselors to give us wisdom on raising children. We need counselors to give us wisdom on loving a spouse. We need counselors to give us advice on our finances. And we need counselors to help us honor God with our sexuality. Jesus knew that we would need counsel. This is why all Christians are given the greatest counselor, the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in the way to go. And God gives us brothers and sisters to help guide us too. If we are going to surround ourselves with the right people, we must humbly acknowledge that we need a community of counselors. If we are going to grow in wisdom, we need to surround ourselves with the right people. We must acknowledge that God has designed us for relationship. But this is not all we need to do. Secondly, if we are going to surround ourselves with the right people, we need to remove foolish people from a place of influence in our lives. We need to set boundaries with foolish people in our lives. Surrounding ourselves with the right people implies that there may be some wrong people. Look at Proverbs 14:7. It reads, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. This proverb begins with an imperative meaning to depart or go away from the presence of a foolish person. The author commands us to go away from a foolish person because we will not find knowledge or wisdom on their lips. If we spend all our time with foolish people, we will never hear wisdom because a foolish person cannot offer us wisdom. If we want to grow in wisdom and learn how to live skillfully in God's world, we must go away from in front of a foolish person because they will never be able to offer us God's wisdom. So let me ask you a question. If you wanted some barbecue, would you go to Starbucks? And go to Starbucks to the front counter and like, can I get a pulled pork sandwich uh, with some coleslaw? Many of you are thinking, no, that's crazy. Why would I go to Starbucks for barbecue? Because they do not, I, everyone knows that Starbucks doesn't have barbecue. If you want barbecue, you have to go somewhere else like Casey Joe's, Arthur Bryan's, or Q39. And if you really want good barbecue, you have to go to another place that I won't mention right now. <laughs> <laughs> in the same way we have to go away from a foolish person to truly know wisdom if we are truly seeking wisdom we must go away from a foolish person look at Proverbs 17 12 it reads better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. 
I don't know about any of you, but I am afraid of bears. I don't do camping or hiking because I'm afraid that by happenstance, I may meet a bear. Whenever someone talks about going camping, the first question I ask is, are there bears? If they say yes, that's God's way of telling me he doesn't want me to go camping. <laughs> now, I heard the camping trip last weekend was great. We had over 40 people come out to, the, to our first annual camping trip at the Brookside campus. Let's give a round of applause for that. And Pastor Taylor Fair told me it was a great time of fellowship. And honestly, I want to go next year, but I still don't want to risk seeing bears. But this proverb does not only talk about an ordinary bear. This proverb talks about a bear robbed of her cubs. Now, I heard through one of the animal channels I watched as a kid, not by experience, of course, that bears get extremely angry when they get separated from their cubs, especially a mother bear. If I'm afraid to meet an ordinary bear, I would be even more afraid of meeting one separated from her cubs. This would be dangerous and could potentially lead to the loss, loss of one's life. Despite this reality, the writer of Proverbs says, it is better to meet a bear stripped of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. When I first read this, I thought, is a foolish person really that bad? Are they worse than an angry bear? The answer from Proverbs is yes. This highlights the reality that a foolish person is very dangerous. If we do not remove foolish people from a place of influence in our lives, this could lead to our destruction. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. These verses highlight the reality that if we let a foolish person into a place of influence that we could possibly learn their behaviors. We're influenced by the people we hang around. If we hang around a foolish person, often we most likely will start imitating their foolish behavior. The Proverbs make it clear that we should not allow a foolish person to have a place of influence in our lives. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, Henry, I get it. I should not allow a foolish person to have a place of influence in my life, but there is no cell phone app to show us a foolish person. So what does a foolish person look like? Well, according to Proverbs, a foolish person does not control their tongue. They lash out in anger. They angrily vent out hurtful words without thinking. They have no filter, and they slander and gossip about other people. Also, a foolish person does not live according to God's design, but lives according to their own standards. The foolish person does not listen to advice because they only trust in themselves. A foolish person is prideful and never admits when they're wrong. Also, a foolish person does not repent or turn away from evil. They continue down a destructive pathway and do not turn from their sin. Proverbs 26.11 says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Foolish people are also impatient and easily angered. 
And as I alluded to earlier in this sermon, when I began college over a decade ago at Indiana University, a lot of those things that a foolish person does is what I was doing. I was living life according to my own standards. I was not living according to God's design. I was trusting in myself and was living life the way I thought was best. I didn't have much control over my tongue. And I hung around people who were like me that reinforced my foolish behavior. But luckily, God did not leave me there. He sent people into my life to help me grow in wisdom. And God used these people to help me start walking in his way. And as I started going to Bible study meetings and church, I realized that I had to set up some boundaries with my old friends. I could not hang out with them like I used to. I also could not go to the events, and by events I mean parties, that we used to go to together. And I realized that if I was truly going to grow, that I had to move some of my old friends from a place of influence in my life. And this was a tension for me because I loved my old friends and I wanted to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ. But I realized if I was going to grow, I had to set boundaries. And Proverbs calls us to set boundaries with the foolish people in our lives. We, we encounter foolish people at our job, in our neighborhood, school, and even sometimes in our family. If we do not set boundaries with foolish people, we will get hurt and possibly be hindered in our growth. Now, do not hear me wrong. We should seek to love and influence foolish people in our lives, but we cannot allow them to influence us. Who are some people who you may need to set boundaries with? Proverbs shows us that we need to set boundaries with foolish people in our lives. And also, just to go down, go with me for a moment here. In this age of technology, we also need to, be avoid, need to avoid being influenced by foolish people on TV and on social media. We live in an age where many foolish people are given platforms because much of our media is sensationalized. I was reading a particular online blog one, one day and I asked my friend Patrice, if she read that particular newspaper. And to my surprise, she was like, no, that paper is so biased. They just want to tap into your emotions. I don't read mess like that. That's exactly, she's straightforward with it. And I was convicted by her response. She was right. The news source was very biased and it did seek to tap into emotions and create more division. So I realized I needed to take some steps back from reading that news source. Are there some talk show hosts, bloggers, vloggers, public figures who you should remove from a place of influence? Is there some music or Netflix shows that you should stop listening to? In this age of technology, we can be influenced by foolish people through a screen without even realizing it. We must set boundaries with foolish people in our lives, in person, and on the internet, news source, or wherever that you may find them. Because if we are going to grow in wisdom, we need to surround ourselves with the right people. Now, it is not enough for us to remove foolish people from a place of influence in our lives. We must also do something else. And this leads me to my third and final point for this sermon. We need to intentionally build friendships with wise people. We need to intentionally build deep friendships with wise people. 
Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, but a friend of fools will be harmed. Walk with the wise and become wise, but a friend of fools will be harmed. This proverb illustrates the reality that the person who does life with wise people will become wise. The verb walk in this verse shows a deep intimacy. A person you walk with is a person you do life with, a person you hang with on a regular basis. It is not enough to have wise acquaintances who you're not close to. They have to be more than just Facebook friends or people you follow on Twitter. We have to truly dwell with wise people in deep friendship if we are going to become wise. It is so easy in this age to know people without really knowing people or letting them know us. When we actually walk with people, we move beyond the superficiality of so many relationships. We are influenced by the behavior of the people that we actually spend quality time with. We grow in wisdom through spending time with wise people. This proverb shows us that one of the best ways to become wise is to develop deep relationships with wise people. When I was in high school, I, I auditioned to be part of the All-City Concert Band and the All-City Jazz Band. The All-City Concert Band and Jazz Band were bands composed of the best high school musicians in the city. The reason I wanted to be a part of the All-City Band was because I wanted to become a better saxophone player. I knew one of the ways to become a better saxophone player was to play with the best saxophone players in my city. In a similar way, if we want to grow in wisdom, we must walk and do life with those who are wise. The well-known proverb is true, birds of a feather flock together. Those who are wise are under the influence of a wise community. That is why it is so important for us to come to church and get involved. Because at this church, we are striving to be a wise community that help one another grow in wisdom. And I know many of you have hectic schedules with work and family and kids, but this church is a wise community that can help you grow. And I know some of you may be thinking, of course, the pastor tells me to come to church and, you know, get in a community group. But there is real value we gain by walking together as a wise community. Proverbs 25, 12 reads, like a gold ring or an ornament is a wise reprover to a listening ear. This proverb shows us that wise people are valuable. In this proverb, they are compared to a gold piece of jewelry like a ring or a necklace. Wise people add value to our lives because they call out the mess in our lives. They're reproving us. But if we are going to benefit from the value that a wise person brings, we must have a listening ear. We must be willing to listen to the wise people in our lives. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. A foolish person does what is right in their own eyes, but the wise person admits that they cannot see everything with their own eyes. They know they have blind spots and at times fall into sinful habits, so they are willing to accept correction from the wise people around them. The person who grows from the presence of wise people must be humble. 
They have to realize that they cannot depend on themselves in their own eyes. Now, I'm sure that many of you notice that I wear glasses. I have terrible eyesight. My eyesight's horrible. And if they didn't have like ultra thin lenses right now, my, my eyes would look huge. My eyesight is so bad that I cannot legally operate a vehicle without glasses. I know I need my glasses. I know literally that I cannot trust in my own eyes. The wise people in our lives are like glasses. They help correct our eyesight. They help us see the things we cannot see on our own. So in that vein, I want everyone, if you have like a pen or something that you're writing with, or if you're writing on your phone, I want you to write down what is an area where you need counsel? Marriage, raising kids, finances, purity, career, starting a company. Where is the area where you need counsel? And after you write that down, write one or two wise people who you could ask to lunch, coffee, or dinner over the next few months who could give you wisdom in the areas you wrote down. Now, on top of this, I want to also challenge you to go to a few of your wise friends and ask them what are your three, three of your strengths and three of your weaknesses. I think it's so important to do this because oftentimes we don't even know our weaknesses. Sometimes we don't even know that certain areas of our lives are jacked up. And honestly, we have to be, wise people also have to be honest. They have to be willing to call it out when they see things um, in the lives of their friends. And now I know some of you may be wondering, how do I know which people to choose to meet with? Or how do I distinguish the wise people in my life? Well, if you've been tracking with us these past few weeks, you know that a wise person fears the Lord. The fear of the Lord refers to having a reverence and awe for God. A person who fears the Lord seeks to live according to God's design and not their own. The fear of the Lord leads a wise person to repent and turn from the sin in their lives. The wise person remembers and obeys God's word. They do not rely upon their own understanding or trust in themselves, but they trust in God. A wise person regularly prays to God because they know they cannot do life in their own strength. The wise person is also humble, and they're willing to listen to advice from their wise friends. A wise person can accept correction. A wise person also has control of their tongue. A wise person builds up people with their words, and their words are a source of healing. A wise person doesn't slander or gossip. A wise person cares for the marginalized and the poor. They are also patient. And I know that's a lot, but if you ever wonder what a wise person looks like, you can look at our Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, And because of him, God... You are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Jesus is the ultimate manifestation of God's wisdom because he is God. He took on flesh and is the wisest person who ever lived. Jesus showed the ultimate fear of the Lord through living a sinless life. Jesus also lived according to God's design as God in flesh. He remembered and obeyed the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He cared for the poor and the marginalized. He used his tongue to preach the good news of the gospel. He also used his words to literally bring healing to the blind and the leper and those under demonic forces. Jesus also showed his dependency upon God through raising early in the morning to pray to God. Jesus did not do what was right in his own eyes. He submitted to God his Father in everything. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed, My Father, if it, is, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus did not trust in his own eyes. He submitted to the will of the Father. He allowed nails to be driven through his feet and wrists, and he hung on a cross at Calvary to pay for our sins. Then he resurrected from the grave through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus, surrounding yourself with the right people begins with surrounding yourself with the, rise, the wisest person. Hear me say this. Jesus loves you and he died on the cross to restore your broken relationship with God. We have all lived as the fool through living according to our own standard and sinning against God. But you can turn from your sin today and begin walking with the wisest person. By faith, you can put your trust in Jesus for your acceptance before God. We cannot walk in wisdom or gain acceptance before God through our own strength. We need the wisest person ever, the God-man Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, know that you are already surrounded by the right person. Jesus is the wisest friend you could ever have. You are in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus is in you through his Holy Spirit. Family, if we are going to be wise, we need to surround ourselves with the right people. Wise people are the people we need to intentionally surround ourselves with for growth. Through the Holy Spirit, we can surround ourselves with, right, with the right people and set boundaries with the people that hinder our growth. Let us pray. Father, uh, I just thank you for um, your word, Lord. Um, I thank you for your people, that each and every person here today, Lord, pray uh, that you would continue to draw them by yourself and lead and guide them by your Holy Spirit and give them wisdom uh, to live wisely, Lord, and, and please give us wisdom, Lord, uh, to live according to your glory, live according to your way, Lord. And we thank you so much for your grace, Lord. We thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. We thank you for adopting us as your children, Lord, and surrounding us in a community where we can grow, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.